But I suppose uh, in order not to do any more violence to Craigbot, or at least not at this time where there's witnesses, uh, seems like we've got a good crowd here, so I think we can get started. So welcome everybody to the Anti-Oedipus continuation from yesterday, where we'll be finishing up Chapter 3, Section 3, and we'll be going into the review thereafter. So we've got about three... I think uh, I think three paragraphs left, but there are rather uh, dense paragraphs, so we will spend a good good amount of time breaking these down and going over them before we go into a more general review. Hey, Brooks. And so, with that, um, I guess we'll just get started. To my memory, we left off on page 163 with "Let us return the dog on preferential marriage." Is that um, is that what you guys remember? Any so, so that's where we left off, right? Nobody uh, remembers differently. I'm going to take that as a yes then. So I'll just go right into reading the first paragraph, and we'll talk about it, and we'll go into the second one. This is 163 in the Penguin Edition. Let us return to the Dogon preferential marriage as analyzed by Griel. What is blocked is the relationship with the ant as a substitute for the mother in the form of a make-believe parent. What passes through is the relationship with the ant's daughter as a substitute for the ant, as the first possible or permitted incest. What does the blocking or causes passage is the maternal uncle. What passes through leads to, as compensation for what is blocked, a veritable surplus value of code, which falls to the uncle insofar as he causes passage, while he suffers a kind of so-called minus value insofar as he does the blocking, thus the ritual thefts perpetuated by the nephews in the uncle's house, but also, as Grial says, the the so-called the augmentation and fructification of the uncle's possessions when the oldest of the nephews comes to live with him. The fundamental problem, who has the right to the matrimonial crustaceans in a given system, cannot be resolved independently of the lines of passage and the lines of blockage, as if what was blocked or prohibited reappears, quote, in marriages in spectral form, end quote, coming to demand its due. Loeffler writes of a specific case, quote, among the Mru, the, pa- the patrilineal model predominates over the matrilineal tradition. The brother-sister relationship, which is transmitted from father to son and from mother to daughter, can be transmitted indefinitely through the, through the father-son relationship, but through the mother-daughter relationship, which terminates with the daughter's marriage. A married daughter transmits to her own daughter a new relationship, namely that which joins her to her own brother. At the same time, a daughter who marries becomes detached, not from her brother's line, but solely from that of her brother's marriage. The significance of the payments to the mother's brother upon the marriage of his niece can be understood only in the following way. The girl leaves the previous family group, to which her mother belongs. The niece becomes herself a mother 
and the point of departure for a new brother-sister relationship on which a new alliance is founded. End quote. What is prolonged, what comes to a halt, what is detached, and the different relationships according to which these actions and passions are distributed help us to understand the formation mechanism of the surplus value of code as an indispensable element of any coding of flows. All right, so it looks like this paragraph is demonstrating more of what they mean by surplus value of code and this level of breaking and um, sort of redirecting flows, as they were saying earlier. Yeah, I, ha I have a bit on surplus value of code. I'll just try and bring it up. Give me a minute. And while you're doing that, just to remind us, in the previous section from yesterday, previous paragraph, they wrote, for the flows to be codable, their energy must allow itself to be quantified and qualified. It is necessary that selections from the flows be made in relation to detachment from the chain. Something must pass through, but something must also be blocked, and something must block and cause to pass through. So right, we're seeing the elucidation um, of that point. I mean, I, mean, uh, it, 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 I think the whole idea with surplus flows, uh, it's a, uh, like, the, I think it has to do with the way values come about, right? At least now we're in, we're not yet in capitalist societies. We're still in, um, we're still in very primitive societies. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it, it, it's, 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 these codes are socially defined, and value comes in that case. I don't know. I, I, I think it's something like that, at least. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on, because right, we're still talking about pre-capitalist territorial machines, right? It's like, it's, it's, I think it's... I, think, a, I mean, in, in, uh, in social relations are like... Um, so, like, I think women in, in sort of this prehistoric society that have been given, they're carefully named and valued as the source of life. And very, I'm, I'm reading now from Eugene Holland because he has some nice notes here. Uh, our value, so in, 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 in savagery societies, for example, uh, women are carefully named and highly valued as the source of life itself and the very cornerstone of the metafamilial social relations in a kinship system fully charged with symbolic meanings. M much of the same can be said of labor relations in an overcoated symbolic order. For take another example, for even when surplus value derives from surplus labor, as it, does, as it usually does in despotism, and I think despotism is the second society we'll be looking at, the surplus labor commanded by the transcendent law of the despot remains qualitatively distinct from the labor provided by the labor's own sub abstinence to the point that it occur, may occur at a different time, taking a different place. I, I, I think the whole idea is that, I don't know if we've got to overcoding yet, but essentially that values come from the, the, the overcoding over a sort of code in itself. Yeah, and it might be worth, um, first of all, that's an awesome passage you just read. Um, it might be worth like walking up the that sounds to me like they're they're sort of working off like a Marxian economics there in terms of like surplus value can, can anyone give us like a quick definition of surplus value so in Marxian economics right surplus value is the difference between the value labor provides and the wages labor receives uh 
And so in that way, right, like Martz will say that that's one of the fundamental problems, right, is that you have surplus value occurring because of the disparity between the value labor produces and the wages labor receives. So if I'm paying somebody $10 an hour to produce um, 15 labor values, right, 15 units of a labor value, and this being like the quantification they were talking about earlier, then uh, I'm going to receive five more units of value than I'm giving out in payment. And so in that way, right, there's a surplus value going to me um, as the, the wage giver, as the in that case, as the capitalist. So if you walk that out to the code, you can start to see, I think, uh, what Varun's talking about, where like these meanings and these ways that um, women are codified and the way that desiring production gets blocked and passes through something else, a surplus value of code um, emerges from that. I think social coding on the socius, it's, it's, it's basically the organization of bodies, practices, and like, you know, it's objects and it could be almost anything to a certain degree. And I mean, it's, it's basically, it, 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 I think it, it, it sort of is the system of exchange, right? And it's whether it's women in this case, in this society, we're looking at women, women or, 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 uh, or it, it becomes sort of objects or, you know, then we soon reach money. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like we're not talking about the value of labor. We're talking about like the, the sort of the, um, the more, in, uh, unless the more imminent, but the less capitalist version of like something like that, where the whole meaning and the potentiality of, of women um, within the mat, within the filial and the alliant is, um, is related to a surplus value of code and how they're, how they're going to be connected with people how production would occur with them. Right. So, yeah. I, I, I think um, it, 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 it has to do very specifically with excess, right? That's why we also have that example in the past where they almost gave that Darwinian example of the wasp and the orchid. But in the sense that essentially um, it, there, there's, 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 uh, so I think once you have like a surplus of some sort of specific good or item, uh, it then once once the surplus gets determined, that there's there's there, it, they've been valued in a certain way. These things have received a certain value, and I think this sort of this sort of uh, it's 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 the surplus code because the social code determines what is of value and therefore worth accumulating, right? So, like the code is this energy that's been quantified and qualified, but has its value, uh, you know, been quantified yet? The surplus value. I, so that's a good question. Um, I read that point. Is, that sounds like uh, Das Capital, Volume 1, Chapter 1, where Marx says, like, use value is like uh, the qualification of commodities and um, exchange value is the quantification of commodities. And so, like, um, I think they talked about this a little bit earlier, but there's a way in which the value of codes is um, it's giving taking on these qualities, and in that way, like I think there's signs getting attached to them, and in the same way, there's a certain amount of them, right? Like we're talking about um, 
I guess this might be a little trait, but we're talking about one mother within so many mothers of the society. Yeah, I think, I mean, this makes sense like that. We're talking about, um, you know, the quantitative difference of the filial line versus one line over the cousin, uh, you know, and, and why, um, you know, one may be willing to trade a cousin in an alliance sooner than they trade a, a daughter or whatever. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Going from like the prohibition of incest, right? That's kind of the... I think another thing that, that's, that's important to mention is that I think it can get forgotten easily, but I mean, with regards to flows, because really what, what they need in this system is they need to find a way to, you know, they need to find a way to, even though it's in differing regimes, they need to find a way to ultimately prove that desire and production and social production are the same thing, right? So one of the ways in the system they need to do that is that, because I mean, coding... Right. Oh, so takes, this is what you desired. <laughs> I mean, coding in the system, like um, with regards to, you know, because associates is very similar in the, to the body without organs in that regard that it's like the body with the organs at the macro level. And like, as we saw in the last chapter, right, the body without organs has a code that allows it to determine, you know, where, where, where should, where should the desire machines cut the flow? Where should it break the flow? It's a system of, it's a, it's a, it's a system of reference almost to allow for something to go. So I think with regard to a flow, then a flow can only be understood through the code that that it's that that transverses it. So, like I think later when we reach capitalist societies, it'll be, you know, the code of money, right? So, so, so a flow can only be understood through the way it's coded in money. But it's not like you know, it's not like there was a flow first and a code was applied over it. It's 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 only the flow of money can be understood through that code itself. That's confusing to me because they say earlier that like the flows are continuous, but to me, when you start quantifying things as codes, that sounds, you know, you're getting to sort of discontinuous events of quantification. Well, I mean, they're break flows, right? Right. Like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if there wasn't a break, you would never have something new in the circuitry. Right. The ham slicer. Yeah. And that's, that's why they also say that it's a uh, desire machines only work by breaking down, right? It's the process of breaking down that allows for something, yeah, the, the differentiation between process and product identity. Yeah. And in the same right way, right? Like the qualifications of it, the qualities, like from an economic standpoint, that's where you get the uses of it, which is really important for perpetuating affiliation. Right, right, right. The use of the daughter versus the use of the cousin. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. The niece, yeah. Um, and Ryan, you start talking about the socius, and there's a question I had about the relation of all this to that, and then I noticed that the first sentence of the next paragraph mentions that. So do you all think we should move on? Could you repeat the question? Should we move on to the next paragraph? Because that starts talking about the Sosius again. Oh, I got you. Um, the last thing I wanted to say was like, because of the break flows that we were talking about. Um, is everybody comfortable with this um, this case of this, right? Where there's um, where the uncle receives the surplus value of the code, but also receives a negative. I'd like to ask a question. Go for it. Uh, so um, this idea of um, code and flow 
and store um, that that Dan Smith talks about uh, that's associated with uh, Keynesian economics. Um, this is a new idea that wasn't in Marx or Freud. And so they're introducing this new idea. And so, um, so, so from what you were saying, I wasn't clear that you were distinguishing between the old ideas that are in Marx, which are more mechanistic, and the this new functional way of looking at things that was introduced by Keynes. Uh, were you distinguishing between those two things? Um, I don't think I was explicitly doing that. No, my, my point was more like, if anything, there's a convergence going on, right? Because like, you've got the the qualification and quantification, that sounds like it's, and the surplus value, it sounds like it's straight out of Marxian economics. But you're right, too, that there is this, I think you're correct that there is these these flows and these break flows speaking to like the libidinal economics of it, the, the sort of Keynesian side of things. So, yeah. are you referring to the Dan Smith essay? That it's, I think it's titled Break, Flow, and Code or something? Yes. I mean, Dan Smith said that what they're yeah. doing, they're introducing Keynesian economics into. Uh, both Freud and uh, Mark. I, I think so. Um, yeah, I've read that essay a couple times, actually. Uh, yeah, he says that he's never, I think he pretty explicitly says that he's never heard of any other uh, theory that uses this concept of break flows as derived from Keynes. I think that there's a very specific, I think the specific reason why they need something like break flows is it's the only way they can combine uh, sexual production and uh, and social production together. I think that's the only way they can combine this sort of unconscious uh, libidinal drive with the, and also it needs to be, you know, the thing about Deleuze and Gattari is, is it's always overflowing, right? So, I mean, that, I think that's the only way they can conceive of these things in such means. So, so the, you know, the, the way that, okay, so, so um, there's something called systems dynamics, which is the explicit modeling of the uh, the relationship between flows and storage and uh, uh, codes, and so and so just just to try to be clear about how that works and why it why it's like a break flow is that um, so you have these variables which are stores and what's going into the stores are functions. And the functions are taking inputs from the other flows. And it, it, it like goes around in a circle because at every time moment, the circle is created where the inputs come from the variables of the last moment to produce the variable of the next moment. And so, um, uh, so and then and then the these the what what's transferring the the uh, the inputs to the outputs are functions. So it's in the functions that are the code. The code is in the function. And so what's happening is that the 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 transfer of of information from the last time moment and its input variables to the next time moment and its output variables, that's the flow. 
But within within that flow, the it's the function that determines what the output variable will be. So that's the code. And uh, where is the break flow in that? So the the break in this particular model is between the time moments, right? Because because you know you're taking the variables from the the last time moment as inputs to a function. Which is then put, uh, creating the the uh, the outputs, which are the variables of the next time moment, and so there's a break. But what's but but that break is um, transitioned over by the flow of the function uh, executing. Yeah, and I I think that is consistent with their example where the uncle is breaking the flow, right? And he takes on the surplus value code. Um, but also takes on that negative aspect as well, right? Because you're talking about like, I, I can see your point where the, the desiring production linked from um, the nephew to the to the aunt is getting transferred to the niece. And so the uncle like kind of reaps the, um, the overflow of that code. Well, yeah, so, so I... You know, given that model, I mean, I think Daniel Smith is right about this, and I, I think it explains a lot of what's happening in this book. Um, but, but understanding, you know, like for instance, what is surplus value? You know, you say it's the value of the product versus the labor, but what is it in this model, right? And, um, and, and, and so, you know, it would be. There would be several functions. There would be the function of the of the the labor that's flowing from moment to moment of the worker, right? And then there would be another variable of the wage coming in, right? That the ver that the worker then gets and then uses to to uh, buy food and pay rent and stuff like that. And and so and so you can see that that. It, it's in the lattice of the the um, the various functions interacting that the surplus labor, you know, surplus value would be uh, realized within the model. And you could model surplus value in in this kind of model. Yeah, basically, you can you can model anything that has dynamics in time with one of these, uh, uh, you know. One of these uh, system dynamics models. Yeah, and that that's surplus value under a Marxian economic framework. I think surplus value of code is more like the intensity of the, um, like the intensity of, in this case, sleeping with the ant, getting transferred, um, or like it almost seems to be sort of displaced uh, onto the the niece. So. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to get at. So, so given this model, then what's the surplus value of the code? And I, I believe that the surplus value of the code is in overcoding. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what I was trying to get at a bit. I, I agree with that. It is the overcoding where there is this. So, I, I think, I mean, I think even with the example of the the wasp and the orchid, I think you see that there too. So, so given that model, what would overcoding be? What one of the things that overcoding could be is uh, different functions producing, uh, taking from different input values and 
and uh, producing the same value, and so so that you actually get two value two outputs out. See what I mean? If it, if you started stacking the functions, right, then that would be like overcoding. And 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 what what would be the result? That would be uh, what the result would be. Well, function A gives one one output. Function B gives another output. Function C gives another value. And so so you'd get multiple output values. And in fact, there's a model for that, which is uh, uh, you know fuzzy fu fuzzy uh, fuzzy logic fuzzy sets would be an example of something. Where uh, and, and basically uh, that that's like uh, a many worlds type model. In this world, this happened. In that world, that happened. That world, that happened. So what we're going to do is do a sum, a, a min or a max over the many world. And so, so I think what what's interesting about this is that if, if what I'm saying is right, now I, I may be wrong about this, but. Uh, but what I'm saying is that the code is in the function, and so if you're going to overcode, that means you have multiple functions doing the same thing. And if you have multiple functions doing the same thing, then they could come out with different results, and those different results would be like a fuzzy variable over multiple worlds. And so, you, and so the 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 output the uh, what do you call it? the the result of that overcoding would be would be this kind of multiple worlds model. I mean, I think, I think their example does speak to a lot of that in the sense that, like, you have instead. So, like, there's a prohibition against the the daughter. I'm sorry, against the uh, against someone's son marrying uh, their aunt, right? So that gets displaced onto the uh, to the niece, and then you have a way that that's allowed. And that something filial can occur there, and also something um, malign can occur, right? And so that allows for the perpetuation of the territorial machine, or at least the consistency with it. And in that way, like, I think the overflow of the code is the way that that, that actually, like, not only works, but it also, like, I think uh, I would say the overflow here also seems to be that displacement. Yeah, so I think this is the kind of fundamental question is, you know, when we're talking about overflowing of the code, uh, you know, what 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 that could possibly be. Um, doesn't, doesn't the overcoding have something to do with, um, like basically, so you're coding it and you're quantifying it, and like at some point you get, you're getting code out of it, but there's nothing left inside. So that's when you're getting the negative, I think. Yeah, I mean, he, kind of. He does. They do write that the uncle gets the surplus, but they also get this negative value. Right. That's why I think it's negative because it's overcoding. You've already coded it and gotten all the quantification you can out of what's there, and now you actually have to put something back in at some point. So, so I, I think this overcoding has to do with moving from the 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 you know the uh, restricted economy to the general economy. I think the, what they're saying is that there's something happening with respect to the code in the general economy. 
where the negative sign goes back to the Levi Strauss and the way that like filial lines and uh, have this like binary recording of a plus or minus. Right. And in that way, you're tracking women gained and lost. So like the uncle loses a niece. So, so, so see what's interesting in that, this is another issue completely. Uh, What's interesting in that is the idea that in the, in the filial system, uh, you have all these possibilities that, which are binary. And so, so some, some, some males are coded as uh, positive and others negative and females positive and negative. But if you take those in combination, you get the binary uh, progression of 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, which are all of the possibilities of the combinations of those pl- pluses and negatives. And basically, basically what they were saying is that the pluses and negatives happen over time. So, you know, the female, say, is negative, but her mother is positive, and then her mother was negative. So that, that's, a, that's the way that they're saying you get the combinatorics. Yeah, it's to me, I just read it as an accounting system. It's just tracking where women are going, who lost a woman, who gained a woman. Well, but in some ways, the, the, those are becoming positive and negative functions. You know, yeah, uh, sure. gain and, and loss, and, but also like gain of a mother, a loss of a wife, what have you. I think the way to think about this economically is that kinship relations and alliances they determine where the uh the goods are going to flow so where where you are in the matrix of uh, of alliances and kinship that's going to be that's going to determine you know what, what goods you get and what and, and what you're able to produce and so that that's the kind of so each person is kind of in this economic relationship that's based on their filial and their alliance relations. I, I think that's right because they're right. Well, this is a quote they're writing, but the significance of the payments to the mother's brother. There we go. The significance of the payments to the mother's brother upon the marriage of his niece, niece, and all of them. The following way, so you're right. Uh, there's a, a way that payments are going toward this, but in that way, like the uncle is also taking on that surplus value of it too. I think. Well, and, and then something something that else we have to remember is that we're talking about a gift economy and barter, uh, not 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 a economic, you know, a monetary. System. It's yeah, very, very but, but, all, all the different things that they're bringing together here, and I, I personally, I, I believe that the that the whole point of this uh, is just to show that uh, these uh, filial and uh, alliance and economic relationships are complex, more complex than Lacan took into account, and so the the ultimate thing they're saying here is that. Uh, you know that Lacan is wrong about these things like name of the father and incest because they don't they don't when you really get into the complexity of 
these uh, matri these uh, matriarchal and patriarchal systems, you see that uh, the 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 name of the father and the uh, uh, Oedipus is just too simple to explain well, why. Oh, sorry, I mean you're up to. Sorry, just too simple to say how what's happening. Well, we are going to get to Oedipus, and um, I believe this nuts to in just two more paragraphs. So, um, would anyone like to continue reading? Muskie, up for some reading? I. I am doing. I am sitting outside, so I am willing to read. But if the wind is too much, let me know. Um, let's see. Okay, we are now able to outline. That's the right paragraph, right? Correct. We are now able to outline the various instances of territorial representation in the primitive socius. In the first place, the germinal influx of intensity conditions all representation. It is the representative of desire. But if it is termed representative, this is because it is equivalent to the non-codable, non-coded, or decoded flows. In this sense, it implies in its own way the socius's limit, the limit or the negative of every socius. The repression of this limit, the repression of this limit is possible only to the extent that the representative itself undergoes a repression. This repression determines what part of the influx will pass through and what will not in the system in extension, what will remain blocked or stocked in the extended filiations, and on the contrary, what will move and flow following the relations of alliance in such a way that the systematic coding of the flows will be carried out. We call this second instance the repressing representation itself. Alliance, since the alliance, since the filiations become extended only in terms of lateral alliances that measure their variable segments. Once the importance of these local local lines that Leach has identified, and which two by two organize the alliances and machine the marriages. When we ascribe them a perverse normal activity, we meant that these local groups were the agents of repressions, the great coders. Wherever men meet and assemble to take wives for themselves, to negotiate for them, to share them, etc., one recognizes the perverse tie of a primary homosexuality between local groups, between brothers-in-law, co-husbands, childhood partners. Excellent. Thank you, Muskie. So what do you guys think of this passage? I know one thing that stands out to me is territorial representation and the um, the decoded flows. So I think uh, you asked this question yesterday, Jackie, about whether or not these social machines are always repressive. And I wonder if this paragraph is an answer to that question because of the uh, concept they introduce here called the repressing representation, right? Which seems like it will always distort that sort of representative of desire the germinal influx that they i mean oh go ahead so i think the the idea of the repressing representation i i think territorial representation has to do more with the macro level of uh, of, of, of at least their social production level and at the at, at the level of sexual production or in terms of or desire which may not be the best word to call it desire and production. I think it's best to just call it sexual reproduction in this case because they use it very specifically. But um, for, for sexual production, the the word that the, the repressing representation is, uh, is it's, it's like a signifier. It's the signifier of the prohibition of incest. Yeah, then then that'll that'll uh, give you the corresponding signified, which is the displaced desire, right? And 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 
at least that that that's how sort of that's one of the preconditions and how is this possible then you ask it's because of psychic repression that's that's not caused by the nuclear family but it's it's mediated almost by the nuclear family yeah i think that's i think that's a fair take um it looks like too they're distinguishing between repressing representation which is the second instance and um territorial representation so i i think i think part of the message here is that you know in a patriarchal society say ancient greece um the um you know the men the men are sitting around uh in the symposia um and organizing all of the flows to benefit themselves right and um and so that's the repressing representation that that uh you know some subgroup is organizing the flows to to benefit themselves you know like the the one percent does now in our in our society so um you know and, and it was quite explicit in the uh in the greek society because <clears throat> in greek society there was a 10 to 1 ratio of men to women so there were there were uh there you know there were a lot more men than women that were citizens and for the the prodigy to be you know the uh children to be uh citizens both mother and father had to be a citizen and so because of that the women who were citizens were so valuable that they basically kept them imprisoned and so and so that's a that's a kind of a fact that never c- c- comes up you know this disproportionate um because the the Greeks, uh, because of the dowries, did not want to pay the dowries, so they would kill off the the girl children, and expose the girl girl children, so that they didn't have to pay the dowries. So so you can see that 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 perversity of Greek society was organized and perpetuated by the men who were in control of the flows, and so that that the. I think that's what they're talking about with the repressing uh, representation and the whole thing about the, the you know, the, uh, you know, the brother, the brothers-in-law, co-husbands and children, part, childhood partners, you know, these, uh, the homosexuality between the local groups. I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I think I can see where you're coming from because, right, they're talking about this way that, like, the the men organizing this have a there's their sexuality they're tied in with each other, right? Like, they're the sexual desire is flowing back and forth through them and not with these women who are circulating, right? It's like trading them. It's like a stock moving from one store to the other, right? That might be happening, but the the action is between the, sh- the the store owners and all that. So, so I'd like to tell you something that when I discovered it, I was really shocked, which was that in in ancient Greek society, and this was discovered by uh, these uh, women uh, Greek scholars, 
and 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 brought to the fore in their works. Um, that in in Greek society there was this perversity that um, because they didn't want the girl children uh, because they didn't want to pay the dowries they would expose them. Now exposing means that you didn't kill them outright, but you allowed the natural forces to kill the child. But what would happen, uh, and Greek myth is full of this, is that uh, people would be waiting to get those those um, those exposed girl children, and then those the, they would bring them up and they would become prostitutes. And the and in every household uh, of the rich, there was this the room where the symposia was. Um, took place where the men got together and the it was separated from the rest of the household and prostitutes would come in to that room and so you you had this perverse circularity where the exposed girl children of the household could come go out the back door but come back in the front door as prostitutes that is very interesting maybe we can walk that back into like uh, the, the territorial representations they're, they're describing here, right? Because we've got the germinal influx as the representative of desire, but we've also got the rep, the repressing representation, which I think would be more like, in your example, like the, the women. Well, actually, you could say it's like the women as children in a certain sense, but you could also say it's them um, as prostitutes, right? Like, I think there's a way that there's... It's almost like bifold there, but in the same way, I would say like the representative desire would seem to be what is equivalent to the decoded flows. Another point that's very interesting is that the uh, these prostitutes were some of them were like courtesans. In other words, they were you know, taught the cultural arts so that they could be good conversationalists and, and play music and stuff like that. And, and there was a, there, there was a name for it. Like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but Horita or something like that. Anyway, um, uh, when, uh, money, the, you know, monetary coinage came in, uh, the, you know, it was very threatening to the uh, upper classes. And so in the poetry of the time, they would um, equate money to these prostitutes that were well uh, cultured. And so it's just a very interesting uh, thing that that money was seen to be like those prostitutes you know, that would come into the house during the symposia. Yeah, I think in some ways, maybe we're starting to get out a representative of desire, right? Where like the decoded flow gets represented. And in that way, um, we can see the limit of the, the socius. And therefore, like, I think the, the limit of the territorializing machine. You know, like, like the girl going outside of being exposed it's like she becomes a decoded flow that is recoded as prostitute. So that's an example of decoding and recoding. Because if she if she was brought up within the within the family, she would have had a very high value because she was a she would have been a, a Greek citizen and 
why uh, Greek citizen wives were very uh, rare. And so they had a very high value. And that's why they were kept basically as prisoners. Yeah, I mean, I think like in some ways the representative desire there is like, is something like child production or something like um, these like filial and alliance structures where like that comes with a representation of how desire should be coded as opposed to like the decoded flow. Is, is that what you guys are kind of getting out of this? Don't they have a quote where they describe kind of this uh, representative a representative of desire a little more like what they mean? Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. You know, you know another example is like slavery in the uh, in the Greek world, and and. Uh, and then another example would be like uh, where they uh, where they they banish they they if someone would became too powerful they would banish them so basically they disenfranchise the people who were becoming too powerful so that they couldn't uh, come you know oligarch controlled everything. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting out of, like, that last part about the, the primary homosexuality between brother-in-laws, co-husbands, and the people doing this coding, right? Is that their, their representation of desire in the system uh, sort of takes away from what they're actually doing. And, like, right, like, they're engaging in a kind of sexuality that does seem to be decoded, um, but they're pushing a representation um of that decoded float into the uh, into the society, right uh, through the socius. See, what's interesting is that the um, part of the homosexuality is uh, created by the fact that there are so few women citizens. But but something that's decoded is the homosexuality between the uh, between the women, like in Sappho poetry. So we get a, through Sappho's poetry, we get an insight into what was happening in the prison of the Greek cow among the women. And then within the symposia, which was a special room within the household where the guests would come and they'd have parties, you know, then there was homosexuality within the symposia as well. So, you know, it, it's just... I think it's good to take, like, for instance, the Greek example and, and you know, kind of like its reality and try to map what there's this, this, uh, this conceptual theoretical structure that they're talking about onto that example to try to find out, you know, exactly what they mean. Yeah, it always makes you wonder what's the role of, like, uh, myth in this case of coding. Like, where does the myth lie? Wouldn't that kind of be like the memory um, from the socius? So like, it seems to me like in some ways, like the the basic filial alliance thing would kind of be like the myth here. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that there's, they also, don't they also say that like myth is, a, is the thing that conditions, right? So it's part of the process that, you know, that 
it's the territorialization of a society. Yeah, so, so the myth is kind of like the explanation of why we do these things. And it's kind of a group thinking process that, um, you know, that's it's passed down from generation to generation through these um, these singers, you know, like Homer. Was, I think was, explanation, but but also the process that makes what you know the referent a real thing right like it's not just why we do what we do it's the process that is doing what we do oh yeah so another thing that's quite important is the relationship between ritual and myth and so the 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 myths and the rituals go together and so you you don't uh, you know we we tend to separate out the 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 myths and forget about the rituals but all of these societies had rituals that these myths were embedded in. And with that, I think we better move into the paragraph. Do we have a volunteer to read? Okay, I'll take this one. Underlining the universal fact that marriage is not an alliance between a man and a woman, but so-called an alliance between two families, or a so-called transaction between men concerning women. George's the verb... Devereaux drew the correct conclusion of a basic homosexual motivation of a group character. Through women, men established their own connections. Through the man-woman disjunction, which is always the outcome of filiation, alliance places in connection men from different filiations. The question why a female homosexuality hasn't given rise to Amazon groups capable of negotiating for men, perhaps, finds its reply in women's affinity with the germinal influx, resulting in the enclosed position of woman in the midst of extended filiations, filiation hysteria, as opposed to alliance paranoia. Hmm. Male homosexuality is, therefore, the representation of alliance that represses the ambiguous signs of intense bisexual filiation. However, Devereaux seems to us to be wrong on two occasions. First, when he admits having recoiled too long before this. So serious, he says, discovery of a homosexual representation. There we merely see a primitive version of the formula, all men are homosexuals. And to be sure, they are never more so than when they arrange marriages. Then again, and this is his most serious error, when he wants to make of this homosexuality of alliance a product of the Oedipus complex as something repressed. Alliance can never be deduced from the lines of affiliation through the intermediary of Oedipus. On the contrary, alliance articulates them, impelled by the action of the local lines and their non-Oedipal primary homosexuality. And if it is true that there exists an, an Oedipal or affiliative homosexuality, this should be understood merely as a secondary reaction to this group homosexuality, non-Oedipal at first. So a long time ago, I read a book that was very interesting that said that, uh, when, you know, the guy had analyzed all of these different uh, marriage patterns and um and came to the conclusion that there used to, that that originally there were two moieties, a male moiety and a female moiety, 
and that and that that's you know that situation broke down over time to become the patriarchal system and so i thought that was i thought that was he was he was saying in his book that this is the only way you could understand how these different uh kinship patterns uh might have arisen and i just thought it was a very interesting uh argument that he made that you know originally the moieties were defined uh, uh, defined based on gender and then that there was a symmetry breaking and that symmetry breaking produced this this patriarchal system out of that anyway i just thought i'd mention that you know one thing i find interesting here is like they're going back to the man-woman disjunction and like you know, bi- bisexuality is kind of a normal thing, only to say that um, the way this sort of like um, representi- representation of desire and this re- uh, repressing representation, right, these two instances of the territorial representation in the primitive socius seem to um, seem to use male homosexuality as a re- uh, as a representation of alliance repressing the ambiguous signs of intense bisexual affiliation. So it seems to be that like this repression and the way that these marriages are being arranged by men um, and this kind of like male homosexuality that arises there, uh, it seems to sort of like, like we were saying earlier, like kind of hijack the the recording mechanism right the, the second synthesis but also like it seems to also prevent the um it's also an exclusive disjunction right because now we have women circulating um seemingly as objects of sexuality and procreation but that ignores the um the more primary homosexuality that uh seems to be like in this way an exclusive disjunction so so another another thing that's very interesting is that the uh the greeks saw their other as the scythian and the scythians were um you know there was there's a whole sequence of uh tribes that came came out of the ural mountains that were basically like a domino effect, uh, the Chinese were uh, fighting back against the Mongolians, and they pushed them out of China, and uh, and so that caused this domino effect across the the steps. And at a certain point, the Scythians popped out, and the Greeks recognized immediately that they were kind of like the opposite of their civilization, and they saw them as the the ultimate barbarians, and they were uh, a matriarchal society. And the women were the warriors. And this is where the whole idea of Amazons came from in mythology. The, in the Scythians, the women were the warriors. And in fact, what they would do is they would cut off one breast so that it wouldn't interfere with their archery. And so the, the, uh, the Greeks recognized that their extreme patriarchy was uh, matched by the Scythian um, extreme matriarch 
and and so the the other for the Greeks were uh, once the Scythians appeared, uh, the the other for the Greeks were also the Scythians. It was kind of interesting too, where they talk about like, so why doesn't female homosexuality um, lead to like negotiation for men or men circulation, men circulating, and it seems like the answer to that is that. Um, women are in the position of extended filiation, which like they explain is like filiation hysteria in opposition to alliance paranoia. And I, I think that distinction is rather interesting. Well, the, in the Scythian case, the, 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 the women were more in charge. So, you know, I think the, the, the idea is that you could break either way, either patriarchal way or a matriarchal way. And the Scythians were this kind of rare example of of it breaking in a matriarchal way. Yeah, and I wonder though. Like, I would think that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that actually like uh, disagrees here because right, like, it sounds like with um, even in that Scythian society, there still wouldn't be men circulating in the same way, because if there is this mutual sharing of. Um, a filial and alliance structure, then the women are more concerned about the filial than the alliant, and the alliant being more of the male concern. Or rather, a, a paranoia. Well, I, th I think then if you're going to use the word paranoia, you need to be really careful because that's sort of like a sticky word here. Yeah, and that's kind of the interesting thing, right, is they lean back on, like, psychoanalysis to say affiliation hysteria and alliance paranoia. Yeah, I mean, it goes, you know, even, like, coding has to be, they say it's qualifiable and quantifiable. But, but you know, it's, it's a, like, in order for a, a, a social machine almost, it's a, it, it, it's it's not the bare minimum, right? That That's when uh, they talk about affiliations and alliances in that case, right, that... Essentially, uh, it, it's like, for example, an affiliation is the, the uniting of a, of a father and a son to form a lineage, and uh, alliances is uniting brothers and cousins to form a tribe. And so, basically, in, in this sense, that it's, it's it's only it's almost via these conditions that the social machine can work in a certain regards. Yeah, I think you're right about that, and in that way, right, like you get. Even even if women were in charge, um, they wouldn't circulate men in the same way because they don't have the same like the the, the even with the, uh, the the social machine as you're pointing out, like they have the affinity with the germinal uh, germinal influx, right? They don't have to worry about this kind of circulation. Oddly enough, it would seem like they're more worried about the the filiative structure, the just. Uh, Disclination of it, I think, was the word. Yeah, I mean, this this form of recording for them, at least the way they describe this form of recording, is cruelty, right? Which is, I think, I think it's really interesting with regard to uh, the way we move up in this in, when we eventually start moving up in in terms of uh, different societies and their sort of understanding of coding and and the and the writing of that code onto an inscription. Yeah, right, and that's that's why like an intermediate of of Oedipus doesn't make sense here too, because like I think you're right. There is a there is a cruelty of like 
the recording and there's a cruelty of how these connections are getting made of how desire is being put into production and social production is getting you know put into put into motion here okay so now we've gotten rid of like we've we've started rebuking the edible claim here does anybody want to take on the last paragraph and read that to us do we have a volunteer uh yeah i'll do it go for it as for Oedipus in general, it is not the repressed that is the representative of desire, which is on the side of the completely ignorant of daddy mommy, nor is the repressing representation which is beyond and which renders the persons discernible only by subjecting them to homosexual rules of alliance. Incest is only a retroactive effect of the repressing representation on the repressed representative. The representation disfigures or displaces the representative against which is directed. It projects onto the representative categories. Uh, categories which it is direct category, sorry categories which is directed at projects their own re- re- it, it rendered discernible that it has itself established it applies to the representative terms that did not exist before the alliance organized the positive and the negative system in extension the representation reduces the representative to what is blocked in the system hence oedipus is indeed the limit but the displaced limit, the, the, the now passes into the interior of the socius. Oedipus is the baited image with which desire allows itself to be caught. That's what you wanted. The, the decayed flows were incest. Then a long story begins, the story of the Oedipalization. But to be exact, everything begins in the mind of Laos. An old group, homosexual, the pervert, who sets the trap of desire for desires that to a trap. A territorial representation compromises these three instances, the repressed representative, the repressing representation, and the displaced representative. Represented. I, I think it's really interesting because... Um, they talk about territorial representation, but and that's the social level, right? That's the level of social production. But when we reach the level of desiring production, the repressed representative is a the and the, so, so the repressed representative is like the it, it's a, it's 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 almost like the it, it's it's so the repressed representative in this case is almost like the prohibition of incest, right? And the repressing representation. No, sorry, wait. I think I missed that. No, I think you're good, right? It's incest or it's Oedipus. I think you're on the mark. No, 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 we can't say... I I think... uh, No, shit, I just read it the other way around. So uh, the repressing representation... Is the is is either Oedipus or the prohibition of incest? Uh, that that which is said um, that 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 almost idealized way. That's a paralogistic way of where desire goes. The repressed representative is is rep- representative is essentially uh, the the corresponding flows of desire moving in that locale. The, rep- the repressed representative. So the repressing representation is that image, the image of. I said it's not per se an image, but but in in this sense, it's 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 uh, that idea of the image of Oedipus or the idea of the image of the prohibition of incest, that which guilts desire, which makes desire guilty, and the repressing representative is 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 the desire that moves in in this sort of repressing format formation, right? It's the desire for the mother. And, and the desire to kill the father in this regard. And the dis- displaced represented is the germinal flow. 
that's the real i mean that's the that's the syllogistic notion of design production they've been trying to you know they've been trying to work out in terms of the correct use of the transcendental synthesis previously in the book so i think it's really interesting because um at least what they've done here is they've created a system that is going to always place a primacy to social repression or psychoanalysis will always put a primacy to psychic repression yeah i think you know, that's you know right. like, so, so like, I think I think I think Freud's reading of the uh, Freud's reading of the prohibition of incest will be something like this. Oh, he'll say, oh, so people naturally always had the desire for the mother. There was a natural, you know, it's a natural thing of Oedipus complex, and so um, things like the prohibition of incest. Oh, it was just bound to happen. You know, Oedipus is internal; it exists outside of time, and this uh, this prohibition of incest, of course, it was bound to happen. It's a universal structure, so. Uh, of course, it's it's sort of the social it's the social machine working back to to working back you know to fix us as sedentary subjects. But you know, Deleuze and Guattari are completely opposite in that regard. Yeah, I think you're right, especially in the sense that like the way the territorial machine is being used here, um, it, it enables all this, right? Just like you're saying, it, it's creating the social repression by making this. In fact, it's almost like it's it's taking advantage of the system right in a sense that like it allows for this kind of way of women being circulated so as to pro so as to prolong the um the affiliative but also so that alliances can be taken to a, a different economic and uh political benefit uh, in this case by the men who have the have the power in the structure right and that always comes from the social field and the fact that desire is always plugged into the social field Oh wait! So, uh, try to say something in the chat. In this view, everything is social. Rep- everything social is is repression. But we have to take in mind that Deleuze and Guattari don't use repression here in a pure negative connotation, aka in my view. Uh, well, so I, I think it's a, well, it's it, it's 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 not necessarily that. I, I think it's it's the sense that um, I'm trying to figure out what you mean by. Could you like elaborate what do you mean by negative connotation, though, for me? Because I, I think uh, in 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 uh, I, I don't know if the, in this view everything is social repression. Because I mean, they talk about the organization of the the way the the way the way uh, productive milieus are organized. So it, it, I think that's that's I think that's what they're real concern is with the end of the day and if if what's concerning social repression because like jack said it's i I think it's isn't it the territorial machine that i mean the territorial representation that plays a role in this so i i I think i I think we need to be more careful in that regard that i I don't think everything can be social repression in this case yeah the, the the repression is um i don't want to say it's relative but it's contextual right we can see the repression happening here in the way that, and this is kind of the, I think, why they juxtapose it with the Amazonian women, right? Because when the, the Amazonian women have control of themselves and sitting at the top of the, um, where they have control of the germinal influx, right? Um, when they're sitting at the top and they don't need to circulate men. Um, and in that way, this kind of, this kind of social repression is not uh, possible there. Whereas under this filiated, uh, under this so, um, 
the model that we are working with, in, in this case, the one that um, Devereaux is working with, uh, you have that possibility and you have that enactment and you have the way that the, the, the territorial machine and the socius, the inscription is occurring so as to allow for this kind of social repression, right? Where, it, And this is kind of where I'm interested too, is it seems like there's in this model or in this, not even this, in this model, in this society, the men have a certain power structure or a place of power where this kind of displacement, they can do it upon the socius, they can do it and circulate women in that regard. Yeah, well, I think the question that arises is, isn't this the question they ask of the contingencies of, so, of social modes of organization? Yeah, and it comes down to that passage you always um, quote, right? The biggest fear is the decoded flows. So social organization is a, where, a, a way of coding the decoded flows, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I agree with that. Because they write, that's what you wanted. The decoded flows were incest, right? So like in that way, when you're, when you're looking back on that third synthesis, right? And so that's what it was. And you're starting to kind of like think about the, the decoded flows, right? Whatever it was you were consuming during those, those moments of the unconscious, that's what's getting weaponized in this, in this society. Yeah, I mean, primitive inscription is pretty much the it's 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 more of an intensive uh, uh, I can never say that word fellowshipative uh, uh, relations of lineage are essentially you know they're applied to the tribe in a certain way. Yeah, I think that's right. I'd like to go back to Triad's thing then. I understand, and so Triad writes, I understand in, in this way, the socius only functional in its current code, and it tries to push it. It's it, socius only functional in its current code, and it tries to push every flow in the specific code to handle the flows. Repression here is a form of representing uh, our decoded flows to direct or rep retroactive, retrospectively explain them. Yeah, I, I think I, I think the, the retrospectively explanation is is the key thing here, because I mean that's the stage of misrecognition that they're talking about. Um, the fact that <clears throat> so that's that's my desire, even though you know there's something else going on in terms of the germinal flux. Yeah, I think that's right, because now we're not talking about the way that the recording and the socius are getting like um, used, right? And the, the way that the territorial machine is working there. We're talking about the way the third synthesis is getting used. So, right, like in this way, we're talking about how you understand your subjectivity, right? And in that way, how you understand the uh, the desire you were, uh, the, the desiring production, the the decoded flow that uh, produced whatever effect you were in inhibiting, right? So like we talked about the Iliogabalus effect. In this case, we're talking about like an incest effect, right? And in that way, it gets problematized. Although as they're pointing out and as Varun made clear, that might not necessarily be what was going on, right? That's the representative of that third synthesis that you're being told to um to accept here, yeah. 
So at this point, we don't have to simply talk about this section. I think we can move into the more general review for the remaining 40 minutes. Um, at this point, do you guys want to like, if you have any more questions about this section, feel free to ask them. Otherwise, we can talk uh, more generally and ask questions more generally about this section. Yeah, I mean, I, I think and the thing about the socius is that this, this, the socius is, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, almost it's this sort of almost uh, in a, in a vaguely uh, bad way of saying it, but a collective body without organs. And I, I think it's uh, maybe that's not the best way to say it, but it's maybe the best way is to say is that it's the body without organs of all the body without organs of all the individual subjects in a society, right? Maybe that's way better, better putting it. That's in in, in that sense. But um, it's it's it, the, the thing is that the socius uh, it, it, when, when it's for, it, it's it's formed, right? The, the key thing is that the socius is formed when communities come together, and essentially is that. The the socius is 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 also it 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 is as a whole right. It uh, it acts retroactively on the synthesis and it 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 basically causes them to sort of get 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 screwed up in a certain way. And I think it, it's from the formation of these communities that stuff like this happens. Yeah, and that's why the territorializing machine is so important because I. The way that the socius falls back on production, what that inscription will entail, seems to be largely bound up in what that territorializing machine is going to inscribe. If I'm understanding this correctly, right, you have the you have the mega machine of the earth as like the socius, like the primary socius, what have you. And then you've got this primitive territorial machine we're going through now, which is the filiative alliance uh, machine, for lack of a better term. Is that how you guys are looking at this? I'm taking that as a yes. Well, I, I thought that I thought the Earth was the body without organ. Well, in, in the, I mean, in this in this society, the, the Earth is is the socius, right? Right. I'm right to say, at least in in the, in the type of society that we're in, in terms of the book right now, the anthropological society that we're being described, the earth is the body without organs. Yeah, the earth would be like the socius, right? And I think they call it like a mega machine in the uh, the first section. And then like, this is the way I'm reading. That's why I'm asking if like I'm, if I'm following correctly. Um I'm reading as like the earth is the socius, which is like the body of the organs at the larger social level. And then like there's the territorializing machine of the affiliative alliance. And part of the reason I say that is because they write, the earth is the primitive savage unity of desire and production. For the earth is not merely the multiple and divided object of labor. It is also the unique indivisible entity the full body that falls back on the forces of production and appropriates them for its own natural or divine precondition. Uh, they go on to write, the territorial machine is therefore the first form of socius, the machine of primitive inscription, the so-called mega machine that covers a social field. It is not to be confused with technical machines. In its simplest so-called manual forms, the technical machine already implies an acting a transmitting, or even a driving element that is non-human, and that extends man's strength 
and allows for a certain disengagement from it. Finally, the social machine, in contrast, has men for its parts. Even if we view them with their machines, integrate them, internalize them in an institutional model at every stage of action, transmission, and motoricity. Hence, the social machine fashions a memory without which there would be no synergy of man and his technical machines. Okay, so so I think one way of understanding the territorial machine as the socius is that is this this is a mammalian uh, kind of biological instinctual pattern where you have the alpha male marking his territory and having a harem of females uh, and beta males that come in and try to knock him off and take his position within the territory and the it goes along with the marking of the territory and so and so the the earth is kind of like broken up you know whatever the mammalian species is is uh and not all mammals have the same uh kind of instinctual pattern variation in instinctual pattern but there is territoriality associated but, with mammalian i mean in this uh, society what what's uh, what's present is the fact that the recording is a recording of cruelty. It's an inscription of cruelty, right? That it's, yeah, I, I think they describe it as it's fundamentally something on the body. Yeah, or it's something on like the way that social production gets moving, right? Because I, th I think that cruelty could also hit something. Like when they give the example of the clock serving as a technical machine to tell time, but also, um, Serving to represent, serving to all, uh, serving also to to signify the uh, the nine to five workday, right? To signify the, or actually to say it easily, uh, as territorialized, so as to um, pass on that that capitalist um, social, so that capitalist territory. So I think it can extend to objects as well, but otherwise, I agree with you. To the point, like, I think we're understanding this the same way then, where the Earth is the socius here, and then, like, that's the that's the mega machine. And then at the same time, you have, when you start organizing a society, I think there's a socius that comes into being there, and you have a territorializing through what they call the state. Um, and in that way, right, you have the... Um, Although this is not the state as like we know it by any means, this is a way different power structure. But the the point being more so, not about the state and about the a territorializing machine of the affiliative and alliance. Um, um, if if there if there's a basic mammalian pattern of territoriality, then the the actual relations between the males and females you know, animals in that group are the social relation. And then those social relations become either filial uh, based on reproduction or alliance based on just interaction between the individuals that, say, don't have any filial relation. And then, you know, in human beings, this, this pattern gets transferred 
to a symbolic level and and in that symbolic level there's a huge variety that uh covers both matriarchy and patriarchy and and so and so the 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 sense that it's um the territorial machine is um is the socius is that is that it's it's the bodies of the individuals you know that that exemplify those relations in their actual interaction yeah i think the, i think you're right about the bodies but it's also like the coding of flows right right, right. The the coding of flows happens within the uh, economic relationships between those bodies and the way that uh, the surpluses are uh, distributed between the individual. And in that in that respect, it, it's very interesting that the first cities in uh, you know Ur was Ur was the uh, or Uruk maybe were the first cities, and what happened was that uh, people were living in groups about of about 125, and then all of a sudden they came together in groups of like 40,000, and and that was based on the uh, surplus surpluses of agriculture. And they immediately established these temples, and and it's like the gods owned everything, and they and everyone was the slaves of the god. But so there was this uh, this emergent event occurred, going from you know these uh, small settlements of about 125 to suddenly these large settlements, and the only. Uh, building that you know there was no uh, at first there was no uh, palace for the king there was only the temple for the god and about forty thousand people living together in the same area uh, managing those those surplus surpluses from agriculture together because probably that was more efficient. In other words, they could do together they could do large scale farming. And they could manage the water supply, uh, and probably managing the water supply was major. You know the major the major innovation that that came to allowing the produce. Uh, wait, before we move on, I wanted to answer Jack's question because I don't I don't agree with that at all. That design production ex- exists from the big beginning. That doesn't make much sense to me because I, I mean, design production exists from the beginning because they have to explain in terms of what they're doing as a as 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 the laws is, is is reading my mind so uh, vigorously. He's doing he's doing the sense that uh, the transcendent. So essentially, the way the unconscious works in this case is that it's possibly that they're asking what are the what are the possible conditions for experience, right? But then the other question that they ask is also. Uh, what are the genesis of all? These, what what is the genesis of these possible conditions? And by asking that question, what they find is the conditions of all real experience, and that's how they almost structure their unco- un- un- unconscious. 
And so uh, it is in, in the sense that it's essentially that if uh, it, it, it's in the sense that uh, so the syntheses needs to be understood from their own genesis as well. And so it needs to be understood in, in the sense that the body without organs goes through these states, right? So uh, you have desire and production, then they make it very explicit that the, 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 the body without organs is created, right? And it's created from the recordings of, uh, of essentially as production when, when, when two machines almost deta- detach, right? When desire and production... In the pre, yeah, in the, I mean, in the primordial level, it is desiring production, right? Because they they need to give the explanation for the connective synthesis too, right? Otherwise, it, otherwise he doesn't do you know the sort of same the same thing that he did in difference and repetition was to build a sort of transcendental empiricism with that regards, and so if it, so, the body without organs has to. It, it of course has to be it, it come after desire production in that sense that it's only produced through desire production. They make it pretty explicit in chapter one, right? That they say that the body without organs is produced at a specific time during the connective synthesis, right? It's, it's produced when there's that it's essential disconnection, and essentially that disconnection leads to um, it, it leads to a recording. Now the, the the thing is, I, I think with regards to it, it's very different when, when we're looking at social production, because social production in this case is essentially that, you know, social social production in a way almost presupposes desiring production, because at least that's my reading. My reading is that desire production is the is, is the possible conditions of all real experience. If it's the possible conditions of all real experience, it, it social production can only happen when you have desire production at the at the first stage. Right. So, and and then that's the social production is it's almost like a coming together of a of of all these things, even though they're the same thing but differing in regimes under capitalism. Yeah, and that, that's why I was surprised because they write, if the universal comes at the end, the body without organs and desiring production, under the conditions determined by an apparently victorious capitalism, where do we find enough innocence for generating universal history? Desiring production also exists from the beginning. There is a desiring, I'm sorry, there is desiring production from the moment as there is social production and reproduction. But in a very precise sense, it is true that pre-capitalist social machines are inherent in desire. They code it, they code the flows of desire. And then they go into like capitalism liberating the flows of desire. So that that was kind of my like thing is that I was surprised that the body of the organs doesn't exist before social production, but desiring production does. Because like you were saying, when you have the connective syntheses, like the, the body without organs is going to be uh, produced, correct? Right, yeah. Is it, the same way the earth, like, the earth is here, right? Like we have the earth, so um, not to be trite or cute. Well, but that is. But a I think it's it's it, 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 it's the Earth understood as a recording surface. The key thing is that you know things are things are defined here as not what they are, but how they act. I mean, everything here. I mean, that's that's also how why there's like why I think why the you never know who's talking, right? You never know they're never labeled as schizo or anything. They're just labeled as they're just labeled as from what they do. And I think the, the understanding of how it functions is, is always given primacy here. And that's, you know, that's, that's like the whole non-representational aspect to it. That essentially that the earth in this regard 
it, I mean, it's understood in the earth in the very special sense that it's doing something and that's recording. So I don't, I don't think it's, it, it, it's, it's that conventional understanding. I mean, it's, it, it, it's the earth of recording rather than the earth as the earth, in my opinion. Right. It's the earth as the unity of desiring production. Right. But that, and, but that happens at a sp- stage of social organization. Sure. Cause it's associates, right? Right, but you got to remember that it is produced at a certain stage. Yeah, and that's where I can definitely see your point is like desiring production leads to the production of the body without organs, right? Sorry, sorry can you repeat that? I, I think I just lost connection for a sec. I'm saying your point to me is that um, desiring production um, let me try this way. The body without organs follows from desiring production, but they don't exist. Just because desiring production is there doesn't mean a body without organs is necessarily there. Correct? Yeah, I think the body without organs has to be created by desiring production. Okay, and that's fair. So, um, you know, uh, the filial, there's filial connections and there's alliance connections, but each one of those produces like different families clans tribes and 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 different communities right so you can have multiple tribes in the same area for instance and interacting with each other and so the 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 conjunction is filial and alliance but then different groups uh are disjuncted from each other and then they 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 come into interaction with each other and and what's interesting is that in the first city uh it was not the king that was produced first it was the it was the god everyone was the slave of the god and working for the god and so the priesthood came first and the king the king's uh asserted power later after cities were already formed so the the conjunctive synthesis was between the gods of the various cities and those gods had their temples and they were treated like human beings they were fed and clothed and then they would go out on uh, they'd be taken out to visit one god would go and visit the other god uh carried on on the on the shoulders of men uh that would uh, so that the gods would actually come into conjunction with each other uh, in terms of their icon. You know, in those first cities that had 40,000 people in them, you know, I mean, they had multiple tribes, multiple kinship groups within them, multiple uh, community, you know, alliance groups within them. So I think, you know, those that formation of the first cities is a good example of these um, these three syntheses. Right. I, I mean, yeah, the body without organs is always because, you know, you're always in, desire is always is 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 always social organized because you're always in a social situation. It's not like it's not like you can get out of a social situation. I, I don't know how that really is possible unless you go, you know, you go to the like the beginning of time or something, but you're always in a social formation. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's right to say that there is a link to the socius. 
It's, it's, it's very interesting to think that those first gods of Ur and Uruk and so forth are, you know, uh, they were icons. But to think of them as the body without organs, and what, what's so interesting is that they had like a palace around them, and they had uh, these uh, priests who would uh, were from the general population, and people would take turns coming in and feeding and clothing the 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 priests. So the you know the population wasn't separated from the priesthood like happened later. The or for instance in Egypt, the 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 priesthood was the population. They would all take turns coming to the uh, the the uh, palace of the god and taking care of it uh but but that that deaf dumb blind icon is like the per- perfect example of a body without organs and 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 what that body without organs did is it allowed the human beings to organize themselves so that they could uh, manage the water and uh, do agriculture on a much bigger scale, and therefore have a bigger surplus surpluses than they would have been able to otherwise in those small communities of about about 125 people. Yeah, you know, I'll say one thing for me um, during this chapter is. Um, well, obviously, I asked the question about, like, how do the territorial machines engage the syntheses? And I think we're starting to see the answer, right, in the way that the bodies and objects um, get territorialized and in the way that codes, uh, in the way that uh, flows get coded. But I'm also curious about, like, the ethics in, in this book, especially um, after Foucault's preface. And I like this point about, like, even though you, I really like what they're saying about the um, the society in terms of like the um, the male dominant organization of uh, the circulating of women and the filial and aligned of right the way that that's being controlled by men doesn't perpetuate um, uh, heterosexuality right it perpetuates um, a homosexuality which is a, a a lovely black humor they've they've spotted. But I really appreciate that, too, because, like, you see the disjunction there, too, where, like, the representative flow um, or the, the represented flow is leading to, like, a way that things should be coded, even though uh, what's going on is a different disjunction, right? And you have this this way that there's an exclusivity uh, occurring simultaneously, right? Uh even though that all this folds back into itself, even though you still have a bisexual um, aspect to it. So I, from an ethical standpoint, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think if you're looking for ethics, Dan Smith has a pretty good uh, piece that he wrote on this book. And But the thing is, he reads it almost like a neo-Spinozist sort of ethics, right? Where he takes... Uh, um, you understand oh so you have to understand things from their but one point from being from their mode of existence and the other point being from their you know the cap the capacities to affect and be affected that's like the big spinosis thing where you're looking at potentials i mean i, I don't i don't i don't think I, 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 we, we're far enough in the book, at least for me, to, so we can make that conclusion. I think a, a place where a conclusion like that's actually clearer is something like difference and repetition, where one of the things Deleuze takes, he has that great line about taking, you know, taking, taking away, um, 
like if, if, if one of the great movements, one of the saddest things that he says about philosophy is that philosophy has never been able to make the move that the abstract artists made over the old classicists, right? Where they stopped repre- representing reality for what it is, but they tried to f- do new things with reality. Or, or more importantly, in terms of difference in repetition, right? He's sort of getting away from that idea of, of, of the appearance of, 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 uh, of, of like you know what it looks in terms of its its quality or what it looks in terms of its extensity it's more about you know what's the genesis of this thing that's existing in the world how do we make a judgment when something we understand something from its genesis when we understand it's a thing from its from it from the fact that it's an event or that then you sort of reach this conclusion with to you know what to ask about diverse potentials of things and we can't consider them for what they are in front of us a particular point of time because you know that's like sort of his notion of 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 of, uh, of the whole virtual idea too so yeah i mean i think we have to wait though before we see something like that in this book at least in my opinion i have not seen something that explicit until now yeah i'm with you on that i would only um i would say really it's capacity and like i think what they're doing here like in relation to the reading you just gave of uh, difference in repetition too is like by walking things out in this metaphysics of the unconscious, right, and walking it through um, through psychoanalysis, through the social, or through the psychic and the, through the social, like that capacity, we can now start to understand not only as like what people can do and like the social aspect, but we can start to think about that through these concepts of territorialization, right, or through, and I think this is part of the ethics that. I was getting at in the um, the example of the, the homosexual and like heterosexual, like the kind of the black humor of this example they give. It's also the way that like the territorial machines are going to get used, that how the inscription occurs, right? Because if the schizo has this ability to write on the body without organs, like a diary, so to speak, then that writing becomes extremely important for like foreign ethics right yeah i think the thing about the body with that organs is that it's, it's got the ambivalence to it right that essentially what since it's 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 uh, it's it's function of recording it, it it records you know both it, it'll record both new potentials right new new forms of of, of movement but it'll also rep- it'll also record like old forms of representation like uh it'll 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 record an edifice triangulation and, and you know that like the, like the whole the whole idea of like the breakdown rather than the breakthroughs like the breakdown happens when you know when it when it gets falls onto the full body with that organs in order to escape the recording of an edipalized sort of uh, movement and that's sort of like how they determine the breakdown or the autistic rag yeah when psychic and social repression start um beating down on you right start enveloping you yeah, well, I mean, they fundamentally want to escape it. So, by understanding escape, it's it's that whole idea that they say they 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 they, they, they it goes through that whole the paranoiac machine that repulses everything from being recorded in the body with organs. But then you, you reach almost you reach a zero, right? You reach. I'm sorry, Kent. You want to say something? Um. Well, I, I just uh, another point. Uh, you know, that's different from you know what you're talking about right now is that. Uh, it turns out that by uh, looking at ice cores, um, they they've discovered that the uh, 
that the climate on Earth uh, was extremely variable throughout time up until uh, about 12,000 years ago. And then it stabilized. And it stabilized because of this uh, thermohaline circulation, the global uh, ocean conveyor belt that uh, goes from the the deepest part of the ocean that's off of Japan and comes around through all of the oceans to the Atlantic and comes up as the Gulf Stream and goes up to England and then and then goes back down to the deep water and goes back, takes a thousand years for that conveyor belt to uh, transport uh, the, the heat of the, of the circulating waters. And, um, and so when, when that conveyor belt stops, there's an ice age. And the English, because it ends up in England, near England, uh, they, they've uh, put work in to measure it, and uh, they've discovered that it's slowing down. And the reason they know that, uh, that it produces uh, an ice age when it stops is that uh, there used to be a huge, when the glaciers melted, it created a huge lake in Canada. And uh, about 500 years after the, uh, the stabilization of the planetary climate because of these flows, um, there was a huge freshwater lake in Canada, and the dam, the glacial dam that was holding it back, broke, and all of that cold uh, water that was uh, that was not salt water uh, rushed out into the Atlantic Ocean and stopped the conveyor belt, and um, and so there was a there there was a mini ice age that lasted about 500 years. So. It's very interesting that there's this global flow that creates metastability in the atmosphere of the earth that allows agriculture. So all these agricultural societies started up after the the, the planetary climate stabilized. And um and so then once agriculture was invented, which happened in uh uh, eastern Turkey, uh, north of the uh, the Tigris and Eura- Euphrates Valley, um, the uh, but it 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 spread down into that valley and in that valley uh, or that those plains where, between the two rivers, um, it uh, agriculture really took off and became large scale agriculture, and then those that large scale agriculture led to these sudden emergence of large cities that we were talking about earlier. So, you know, I just wanted to point out that there is this flow on the earth that we're dependent on for agriculture. And um, and that's the basis for the production of these general economies and restricted economies based on agriculture. Yeah, and yeah. I think that speaks to the earth as, a, as the mega machine, as they say, right? Where uh, desiring desire and production are found in union, where that that socius is possible, because like like you're saying, right? Like society starts to crop up, if you allow the pun, and sort of like start organizing around this. And then I think there's a way that, at least as I'm interpreting this, there's a way that society comes with a territorializing machine, and in that way, 
you know, a, a kind of new socius, or I don't want to say a new socius, but the earth no longer, the earth is no longer the primary socius, or I shouldn't say primary, but a socius is introduced there as well. Yeah, and, and then it's it's very interesting that, you know, in uh, in Turkey, they found these two sites. Çetahayak is one of them, and uh, I can't remember how to pronounce the other one. Uh, Golubteki or something like that. But anyway, one of them is a site where um, uh, hunter-gatherers would come together for festivals. And so there's no there's no housing around these sites, but uh, but there's megaliths and some kind of uh, feasting and and uh, uh, festivals uh, were held at those megalithic sites, and then and then later there's the Chattahayak, which is a, a first one of the first agricultural communities which has been uh, excavated. And so we're getting a little bit of insight into this transition from uh, pure nomadism of hunter-gatherer into when agriculture started. And then when agriculture started, there was this this uh, this distinction between the nomads and the settled agriculturalists was created.